Welcome to the Wake and Take Podcast. On today's show, we talk Masters Week and Round 1 Recap. Andy has been hammering down on golf all day. He's got some picks for us for the weekend. Who's going to rise that leaderboard? Who's going to fall off that leaderboard? Then we talk Minnesota Twins and the hot start to the season. Twins first in the AL Central, sitting at 5-2. and two. They got eight dingers. We talk about all of that Minnesota Twins related. Then we talk a little Timberwolves basketball and your league worst Minnesota Timberwolves what that could mean for the future, what that could mean for the lottery. All of that today on the Wake and Take Podcast. There is a house in New Orleans They call the rising sun And it's been a ruin of many a poor boy And God, I know I've won Randy BG joining us today, Masters Week, and we were chatting about it just a second ago, but uh, Randy, it's a pretty good field. No Ricky Fowler, as we mentioned before we started recording. He didn't qualify for the tournament. We were just trying to find his name on the leaderboard. Not on there. Um, Jordan Spieth, however, he's in there. We were just talking about his qualifier. I mean, you mentioned, Randy, that if he hadn't won last week, he was only getting in on exemption from being a previous winner. I think it was 2015 season where Spieth won it. Uh, but he's doing okay. He's one under. Last I saw, he was two over on 11. So must have played the final eight holes or seven holes pretty good to get get to that one under spot. Justin Rose leads the tournament at seven under. Uh, he went absolutely nuts, Andy, uh, on the last 11 holes. You said he was nine under through the last 11? Yeah, nine under, nine under through 11, which is... I just crazy on my back nine. And like we've seen it happen before, guys get hot on the back nine. Um, we saw what was it, uh, Charles Schwartzel shoot a four under in his last, uh, last four holes, or maybe oh, yeah. was it, um, just a bunch under in his last uh, a handful of holes back in 2011, I think, 2010, um, to, uh, to win the Masters. And, um, I mean, it's like for some guys like Spieth a couple of years ago, it can be, you know, where your master's dream to go to die. And for other guys, if you take advantage of it, um, I mean, you can like, it is the ultimate, I think it's the ultimate risk reward back nine in all of golf where, you know, the, the, the margin barrier between shooting 40 and shooting 30 is just so small. And Justin Rose just took advantage of the back nine today. Yeah, and one day into the Masters, uh, when this comes out, day two will be underway. Andy, who are you liking right now after one day of play? I know you you had to work today, but you got a little bit of time in watching. I I didn't see any of the action yet. I'm going to go watch the replay tonight, but who are you liking right now? Well, I... I always, uh, one thing my dad and I always joke with, with any major, um, regardless of it's a masters or not is after the first round, those, there's always guys at the top of the leaderboard that if you're a golf fan, you just know, you know, comes Saturday, Sunday is not going to be there. So like Brian Harmon's at three under, he's not, I mean, he's won a couple of times on tour. He's not going to be there come Sunday. Will Zeltoris, I think this might be his first masters, maybe a second. He's not going to be there come Sunday. Um, uh, Christian uh, Gazuntait, however you say his last name, super long South South African last name. He's not going to be there come Sunday. There's no way uh, it's Gazuntait. 
<laughs> but it's it, it, it's close. It's close. If you look at the leaderboard, you're no, you'll know exactly who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think it's Bazoon Tweet. Something like that. Yeah. Jason Jason Kokorak, he's not going to be there come Sunday. Like a lot of these guys were under par. Like, I just don't think they're going to be there in a couple of days. And at least, I mean, I'm not a professional golfer, but when there's only one guy, you know, that's kind of separating from the pack after one day, and there's a bunch of guys, a lot of whom are not seasoned PGA Tour players that are under par. Like, I think if you're one, two, even three over, like after one round, um, technically you're 10 shots back, but I think, you know, you go to bed tonight feeling like you're still in this. I mean, there's only one guy who separated himself from the pack, you know, who knows what Justin Rose can do tomorrow. Um, I mean, like um, the, the, there's few guys with a four shot lead after one round of the masters that I would be like, okay, this, this tournament's done. Like, I think that's Tiger Woods. And at least for me, Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson, and maybe Brooks Kepka, like at least like today's current golfers. Um, like I think this leaderboard is going to do a lot of changing these, um, like this next 24 hours. Um, the guys who got out early today, um, I think at least from what I saw generally had better scores. I saw more worse scores in the afternoon as opposed to the morning. So tomorrow when the guys who teed off in the, in the afternoon tee off in the morning, uh, and vice versa, it'd be interesting how, how, how that plays out. Um, but it's shaping up just after one round. Unless Justin Rose shoots another seven under tomorrow, it's shaping up, I think, to be a great weekend of Masters golf. Yeah, and the scores are pretty low for this first round, at least with the minus seven with with, with Justin Rose. Um, at least it feels low when you look at the all-time low score, which was last November with Dustin Johnson, minus 20. And before that, it was Spieth and um, Tiger Woods in 2015. Spieth shot 18 under, 1997, I think it was. 98, maybe mm-hmm. the Tiger shot 15, um, 18 under. But seven under in the first round is pretty dang good, especially considering it's it's now April. It's not November at Augusta. It's April where the conditions are a little tougher, not quite as soft. At least I'm guessing it's not quite as, as soft as it was last November, Andy. Um, Rose played in the afternoon today. He's one of the earlier tee times tomorrow. It's 6.30 my time, uh, West Coast time, but it's, uh, I guess, a 9.30 local time tee off, which isn't too mm-hmm. bad, but it, it'll be interesting to see what those morning rounds look like tomorrow. Um, a name you mentioned, Brooks Kepka, playing through injury this week, coming off the knee surgery, meniscus surgery. Uh, he's hanging in there pretty good. Two over right now, sitting at tight 30th um, with about four or five, no, maybe, excuse me, like 20 guys. <laughs> Uh, like 20 guys at, at, at plus two, but 50 top 50 make the cut right now. Andy Rory is sitting just outside that at plus four. Same with your guy, Zach Johnson at, at, at plus five. Um, I was more speaking for Rory, but it, do you think either of those two guys have a chance of, of kind of climbing the leaderboard tomorrow? They both play later in the afternoon. It'll be about a, let's see. Rory, I guess Zach Johnson's playing in the morning at 6.30, but Rory's going off at 1 o'clock local time. He's going to have to make a move up the leaderboard to make this cut, don't you think? Yeah, it, Rory's just had so many swing issues recently. Like, he just, he can just be so wild off the tee. Like, he's a guy who his natural shot shape is is the draw. And, like, you see him hit, like, over the past, like, month or so, 
I mean, he's hitting blocks off the tee. He's hitting dead slices off the tee. Like he just uh, just started working with a new swing coach here. I think three weeks ago now. Um, and when these guys, when these PGA Tour guys change swing coaches, they generally do it following the Tour Championship. They spend all off season making their tweaks, and then spend you know January, February getting ready for the Masters. They don't make a a, a swing coach change three weeks before the Masters. Um, and that to me is a sign that like he is at a place with his golf swing where he just doesn't have the confidence um, or at least doesn't have the confidence to go out and win a tournament like, um, you know, like the Masters. Um, and, you know, he was a guy like in 20, uh, 2020, he made the cut, but like, I feel like there was a round uh, in, in November where he shot maybe two under with like a couple double bogeys, like a couple eagles. Like he was all over the place. Like you didn't know what he was going to do on the course. And um, I just don't think there's a way. I mean, maybe he makes the cut. Um, I mean, it's. I, I think looking at today, it's going to be interesting to see if that cut line stays at where it is today at about three over. Uh, or maybe it drops down a, a couple of strokes more tomorrow. I haven't looked at the, like the weather forecast or anything uh, for tomorrow in Augusta. Um, Which I, I have to imagine conditions will be similar. Yeah. What was it like today? Was it gusty at all, or is it just pretty calm? It wasn't. It didn't look gusty. It didn't look. Well, I should say it didn't look windy, like overly yeah. windy. Okay. The course. The, the course is playing more firm than I I ever remember watching a Masters. Like, the balls coming into the greens looked like I was, like, some of the holes looked like I was watching a British Open. Like, oh, wow. yeah. every shot I, every every second shot I saw on the 15th, I, uh, I don't know if I saw a second shot into that 15th green that didn't go over the green or if it was short roll back into the, into the water. Um, like these greens seem to be playing, um, really, really firm. Um, and it was, uh, pissing off Bryce and Shambo today who, who I saw miss, miss a good amount of greens long. I think he was like five over four over maybe. Um, now for him, you know, he said last November that this is, he treats his course as a par 67. Um, so <laughs> So four yeah. over on the scorecard for him is actually nine over. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, nine over for Bryson. He shot a cool 76 today. So yeah, nine over by his standards. Um, he'll have some yeah. work to do to get back into it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the course is playing really firm. Um, and I mean, it's going to be about, you know, what guys can, um, you know, control the spin. Like it doesn't surprise me that some of these, um, these international players are up on top of the leaderboard, like, you know, Justin Rose, um, you know, a, a guy from the UK uh, who grew up, uh, you know, playing different conditions, playing the ball down as opposed to how we played here in the U.S. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, I think, how the international players, uh, as, we, as we move it into the weekend, um, you know, if, if the conditions stay as they are, if they get even worse, if we see more international players, um, making their way to the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, and there's a number of Justin Rose, obviously, Hideki Matsuyama at three under, um, Bazuntite at, at, at two under, <laughs> Lowry, uh, Irish guy, at one under. Uh, is it Tyler Hatton? I think it's Ty, Ty Hatton, maybe. Tyrell. Tyrell Hatton. Uh, he's at minus one, Siwoo Kim. 
Uh, Hughes, a Canadian, Mark Leishman, all those guys in the top 13. And they're all foreigners. So uh, that's an interesting point. Andy, if you were to pick one person, and this will be out on Friday morning, so maybe people won't hear it quite then, but if maybe let's say for Saturday, if you had to pick one person right now in the field after day one of the Masters to just absolutely blow up on moving day, who are you taking? Maybe not to blow up on moving day, but I like Webb Simpson. Like he's just been playing consistent enough this this whole this whole year, this whole kind of pandemic year. Like he's not gonna go out and shoot 65, 64. But like if you can go out these next three days and shoot, you know, with the low scores, like if you can go out and shoot 70, 69, 68 these next couple days, like he could very well be, you know, alone at the top come Sunday. Um, and I think looking at the leaderboard, um, like besides Justin Rose, because obviously when you, you know, when anyone has a four-stroke lead after one day, like they're obviously going to be the favorite. But looking down that leaderboard of the guys who are who are under par, um, I like Webb Simpson as someone who's been playing consistently enough, um, has that Masters experience, um, and you know, just knowing the course of the guy who, you know, like I said, he could, you know, shoot two, three under all four. And out on top, depending on how things shake out. So, yeah, like if um, if I if, if I was putting money down, that's uh, like that's Webb. kind of the I don't I don't know what his odds are, but that's yeah, uh, well, probably pretty. That's why I'd be putting. Yeah, we got probably pretty good odds with Webb Simpson. Um, one other name I want to mention: P. Reed. He's also at two under, tied with Webb Simpson for fourth place. Uh, Patrick's obviously he's he's won a green jacket before. He's very good at times you don't expect. Like, he just comes out of nowhere when everybody in the golf world hates him. He's like the villain of golf, but he doesn't really care. I mean, he'll just keep playing and he just keeps his head down and just keeps trucking with all the controversy that swirls around him. I could see Patrick Reed making a run uh, on Friday, Saturday, getting himself. I mean, he's already at, at T4 right now, but getting himself into maybe a final group on Sunday. Yeah, Patrick Reed, like, it's. Like, I don't know, like, like, at least for betting purposes, like, he's a guy who also, like, could come out tomorrow and, like, just get the blocks and, like, just shoot 79. Totally. Like, like, totally. like, like either, like, he's either going to be, uh, like, like I, I, I don't doubt that he could be, you know, at the top of the leaderboard come Sunday. But, uh, like, looking at the conditions today, like, I think – Webson Simpson is going to be the most steady, like for a guy who can go out, you know, and shoot a 64, 63, um, you know, like, uh, um, uh, you know, like Justin Rose shot a 60, 65. I guess we don't really see a lot of 64, 63s at Augusta, but shoot a 65, 66. Like Patrick Reed is definitely one of those guys who could, but like the chances of him shooting 66 are just as likely as him shooting a, a 78. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, so, I completely agree. And I kind of feel the same way about speed. I mean, he's either going to shoot oh, yeah, 66 or 76. And there's, you know, the first couple holes are probably going to tell you how, how his round is going to be. But I, I could see speed going off tomorrow and off on Saturday and, and getting to like 12, 13 under and getting into that final group. I could also see him missing the cut. Like realistically, I could see him shooting 10 over tomorrow and missing the cut. Yeah, no, Spieth, Spieth on 15 today, chipped in for, for Eagle. Um, and if that ball wouldn't have hit the pin and fallen into the cup, he would have, um, he would have, the ball would have gone into the water and he would have been, um, you know, laying, laying five off the green. 
Um, Like, you know, that goes from, you know, that goes from him Eagle bringing him to one under and him going, you know, par, par, par to finish around to him being, um, you know, like, let's call it three over. Right. Like at the cut line. Right. Um, like that's like the kind of like break, like you get from just, you know, that's like the way this course is, is like, it's, it's such a, you know, kind of like football, it's a game of inches, like hitting it into that right spot and like inches can separate you from being at the cut line or being in the top 10. And I, I think it's good for golf when Spieth plays well, and it's good to see him at the uh, oh yeah at, at near the top of the leaderboard. So uh, let's hope for a 66 out of Spieth. Uh, BG, did you make any picks? I know you're not a huge golf guy. Did you make any Masters picks, any pools, anything like that? I did not. Okay. I've, I've been on this world for 23 years, and I yep. haven't watched the Masters for 23 years. Um, there you go. As we were talking before we started recording, I, the only people I really care about in the world of golf is Tiger Woods and uh, Ricky. Yeah. And obviously Damn Tiger geez. is out of the Masters, and I just found out half an hour ago that Ricky didn't make it. So the <laughs> yeah. little interest I have for golf and the Masters in general is no longer of any interest to me. So I haven't been following it. I don't even know who's in it besides the big names. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're currently I'm, live. I'm just watching the other sports going on. Yeah, and speaking of other sports, you're you're live watching Wyzetta and Shakopee. You said high school hoops with yeah. a trip to the state tournament on the line. Is that right? Yeah, if you could see our the live video we're doing on Zoom, you could see why my neck has been over to the right the whole time. You guys yeah. been watching, talking about golf because Wyzetta's in the state semis against Shakopee, and they're up like 30 points right now. Oh, there you go. So they're going to move on to the state championship, which I don't know the last time Wyzetta's been there. Last time we won it, 1959 or 1969. Oh, you guys are going to the state championship. Holy cow. Yeah, state championship. Wow. So they're going to play Creighton-Durham Hall in the championship, and they have that great point guard, Trey Holloman, at Creighton as well as some other guys. So that'll be a really good game. I'm pumped for it. But, yeah, they're they're up 26 with three to go. Yeah, and the Beninga legacy, for anybody who knows – Minnesota hoops. Why is that a basketball at all? It probably knows at least one Beninga. They, it's a dynasty family at Why is that a BG? Good friends uh, of you and I, Johnny Beninga. He's the kid in our grade. Uh, there's Eddie Beninga is the, is the point guard on the team right now. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Eddie's a senior. Uh, he's one of the best players on the team. and He's playing well tonight. Yeah. And it's funny because listening to the announcers in the game and they're they're just butchering last name. Oh yeah! Every single time it's Beninga, Beninga, and it just makes makes me shudder when I hear it. But yeah, pretty yeah. much anybody in Minnesota basketball knows the Ben family. I remember when we were interviewing Vinny Shahid after we got off air, he started asking if there's more Beningas in the pipeline because he knows that we have a good team this year. But yeah, it's funny and it's good to see these guys playing, including one of the guys I babysat. Yeah, I mean the Beninga pipeline is deep. At why is that? How many more Beningas do they got coming after Eddie? So there's been three to go through the program so far. Will, Johnny, and Jacob. Yep. Eddie's a senior, and then there's two more after. And insider information heard from Johnny that Max, the youngest one, is by far the best athlete wow. out of all of them. Wow. So that'll be fun to watch. Hopefully Nick, the other younger one, isn't listening. Yeah. But, yeah, I think Max will be the real deal. Okay. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on the on the Beninga dynasty at Wyzetta. Especially looking forward to Max. I mean, that's if he's the best out of all of them. I mean, they've all been elite. Johnny was so so good. I mean, he he started for I think four years at Wise. Was he a four year starter? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, four year starter as a freshman. Yeah, I mean that's ridiculous. And to have 
four brothers after him to come through there. I mean, that's just a dream come true for any coach. Um, so yeah, good luck. Good luck to them in the finals, BG. Good luck to your alma mater. Yeah, thank you. I'll probably have some updates come championship time next yeah. week or whenever that's going to be. Love it. Uh, we haven't spoke to you in a while, BG. How you been? How's life? I've been well. It just the times haven't been working for yeah. all of us, especially me, I guess, for the past two or three weeks. Um, the weather has been super nice. So on Monday, I uh, went for a bike ride. I, I saw two Minnetonka legends oh, yeah. at Maynard's. Yeah. saw Hoodie Coop. Okay, yeah, and, yeah, oh, yeah. And former former guest of the pod, Faye Swan. Faye Swan, there we go. We got to get him back yeah. on the show. Um, yeah, I know we should. Yeah, Maximilian Good Robert Duddy Cooper. To use his full name, absolute beast, and a couple other Tonka guys, but yeah, I'm not sure who they were. Yeah, it's Maynard season right now, uh, with the weather getting up to 80. I heard the other day in Minnesota. Yeah, um, this past Monday it was at least 80, maybe 80, 81, 82. Yeah, in Minnesota, and as you can imagine, in April, early April, people were just everywhere. So many people walking, so many dogs getting walked, bikers everywhere. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, a tease of what's to come. Exactly. I mean, Minnesota summers, some of the best summers, you know, I, I think anywhere, I, I, at least that I've been, I, who, who knows, but Minnesota summers yeah. are pretty damn good. And, uh, it, it's peak Maynard season right now. Um, speaking of summers, Minnesota BG, Minnesota twins, they've been off to kind of a hot start five and two to start the season. They dominated Seattle today. Seattle's not very good, but we scored 10 runs and I think it's the, maybe the third time or just the second time we scored double digit runs. No, just the second time um, we scored double digit runs this year, but through seven games, that's pretty damn good. The twins bats have been going and I don't know. Do you know if they're allowing any fans at target field yet, or is it still kind of closed off? I think it's a couple thousand. Okay. It's, yeah. it's, it's nothing like the Rangers. Yeah. I mean, full I don't capacity. Know if you saw that. that was yeah. insane. I mean, that's crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, what an advantage for the, for Texas too. I mean, the Rangers, that's such an advantage having at 45,000, 50,000. I don't know how many of their stadium holds, but it was jam packed. I think, yeah, I think it was out. around 40,000, 40,000. That's, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy to see too, after a year and change of, of no fans in any stadiums or limited number of fans to see, a packed ball, a packed game, you know, a packed ball game. That's exactly what you want to see. And it, yeah. it's good to finally see that coming back. Yeah. It was really refreshing just to see that and to see what a full audience looks like again. And a big part is just to hear it, to hear like the roar yeah. of a crowd of 40,000 fans simultaneously. That's awesome. And I know that later in this summer or later in the spring, I mean, I forget what date, but, the twins are going to up their capacity to 10,000 fans, which I mean, compared to 40,000, that's not a lot, but just like you said, COVID a year and some change. That's, that's great. And welcoming news to me that we can fit 10,000 fans at target field. Like come summertime, that's, there's not going to be a better place to be. And, and I can't wait to get out there for at least one game yeah. and to see this twins team that are just cracking the bats, like you said, and playing really good um, off the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, we're, we kind of overhauled the lineup a little bit to make it more defensively sound, and that was kind of the goal of the offseason. And, I mean, to this point, they haven't lost a series. They took two out of three from the Brewers. They took two out of three from the Tigers, and we're 1-0 and so far against the Mariners. And that's what you want. I mean, if you, if you can win two out of three of every series, 
you're going to be in damn good shape in baseball. And if the Twins keep scoring runs like this and just keep hitting dingers, we're going to be in pretty good shape. I know Donaldson hasn't even played yet. I think Buxton's still hurt. And so we still have some pretty key pieces out of the lineup right now, BG, and we're still scoring yeah. runs and we're still destroying people. Yeah, the, the I guess the one bummer of the season so far is Donaldson is hurt and he got hurt during the first half inning of the MLB season. Yeah. Um, and as we saw last year, when he stays healthy, he's a significant player um, and a great player that can get the bats going when we need it and has that experience come postseason time to get our team going. And Buxton, yeah, he was out earlier this season. He was actually back yesterday against uh, the Mariners, and he, he had a great game. He had at least, I think he had three hits. Another home run that was at least 400 feet. I think he's hit wow. five home runs, four or five home runs already this year. And I believe, don't quote me on this, I'm sourcing the wake and take, yep. but I believe that every home run he's hit is at least 400 feet. Wow. <laughs> Which is just crazy. I'm going to fact check you real quick. He's got four home runs, which is tied for fourth in the major league. Which, I mean, for a guy who has every sort of defensive tool, speed tool. I mean, he's he's a five-tool player, as they call it. For a guy that, you know, capable to have five home runs or four home runs and be tied for fourth is insane. Today he had one as well. I didn't even realize he was back. He hit a 393, so that might be his his Damn, shortest okay, of the year. Damn, okay, so almost all 400. Yeah, that might be his shortest of the year. But, I mean, the Twins are – I don't know how many home runs they have as a team, but Garver homer today, Buck homer today, and Arise homer today. Arise, yep, he yep. had a big one. Yeah, I mean, that's three just today. I don't know what the total number I – can, I could look that up real quick here. But are we on pace to break – 306 was it a couple years ago? Are we on are we on pace to BG to be Bomba Squad 2.0? I have no idea since the only game I've watched was today's game and that was about three innings. But if we had three today, let's say we've hit like two and a half, I'd say we're gonna be pretty close. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna do the we're five the math and two right seven okay. games. So if we fit like 20, 20 home runs or so. Okay, here we go. One, two, five. Nine, eleven. Oh, it says what? We got eight. We only have eight total as a team. Huh. Okay. Well, we we definitely pulled our weight in today's game, having three of them. Yeah, but that's pretty good. I mean, eight eight total home runs through seven games. Yeah, and if if you saw the game yesterday, I I think we keep switching back and forth against today and yesterday since it technically was today when we recorded, but the game, the first game against the Mariners, our, our bats were just cracking. And although we, we hit three home runs, which is great. We hit so many deep balls that hit off the wall that easily could have been five home runs with Garvers. That was so close. Um, I don't know. I think it was Kepler who hit a line drive to the first baseman and he made incredible play, but we're looking really well as a team when it comes to hitting. And we had Barrios on the mound today and, he picked up right where he left off um, in his previous games and last season too with being a phenomenal pitcher and playing up to the quality he can play at. So, of course, we're only seven games in, but five and two and playing the way that we have so far, I think it's very encouraging, and I hope that this team can just stay healthy because I think we should win the division if we can stay healthy. Yeah. might be a tight race between us and the White Sox, but I think we can do it, and yeah. we should be able to. I mean, the Sox were – projected to win the central they're four and four right now a game and a half back of your minnesota twins um obviously there's only 
you know, very small sample size of the 162 game season. Uh, currently, BG, we're averaging 1.14 home runs, so just over one home run a game. And we need to be averaging about 1.9 home runs to be on pace wow. for the 307 uh, mark that was set back in 2019 by the Minnesota Twins. Uh, so just slightly below, you know, about about seven-tenths of a home run uh, or six-tenths of a home run but below the mark that was set in 2019. But, hey, for a team that was, you know, more aimed towards defense this year, for, for a team that brought in some more defensive weapons to help with that side of the ball – to be at 1.14 home runs per game, eight games, seven games through the season. That's that's a pretty good mark right now. And yesterday was our um, season opener too. So our first game at home, our first six games, I guess, we're all on the road. So technically we're averaging three home runs a game when we're playing at home. So if we can keep that pace up, we're going to smash every single record in the record book. Totally. They hit three home runs a game, BG. We're going to the World Series, and whoever bet on the Twins making it to the World Series is getting free tickets. <laughs> Was that you? Or who who took the Twins? Anybody? I took the Vikes. Yeah, I took the uh, Wild. Probably, maybe, Zach, maybe Zach. I think Zach might baseball. Twins. Yeah, I took the yeah. Wild. That bet still still very much in play. First uh, yeah. Yeah. first team to make it to whatever. I would love to be wrong. Yeah, especially since the Viking season is the furthest furthest one away. Yeah, so I'd love to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I would too. It mean a Minnesota team getting to the championship, um, and and the Wild have been playing good recently too. They just dominated Colorado the other night. I think they scored eight goals. I think it was like eight three, eight two, something like that. Yep. Um, but the Wild have been moving. I mean, they're rolling right now, and none of us are elite hockey minds, but I think Vegas is is the huge threat in our division. If you can somehow find a way to get past Vegas, I think we have a great chance of winning. Uh, of making well, if you get past Vegas, you're going to make it to the Western Conference. You're going to win the Western Conference, make it to the, to the Stanley Cup. But if you get past Vegas, I think we have a great chance of winning, and that would be totally electric because we get to go. I'd get to go to the game for free, BG. Yeah, I think we have the legitimate possibility, or I think it's most likely going to be the Wild in the playoffs this season and the Twins making it to the playoffs this season. Can't say that about the Timberwolves, but yeah. Well, At least when we're moving away from the major two sports, basketball and football, that I know are probably our two favorites on here and that yeah. we talk about the most. Um, to have the Twins to fall back to in the Minnesota Wild, it, it definitely uh, makes talking about Minnesota sports a lot happier and a lot easier um, versus talking about the T-Wolves or the Gophers or whatever else goes wrong in, a, in our Minnesota world of sports. Yeah. Um, speaking of T-Wolves, I haven't watched a lick of basketball, of Timberwolves basketball in probably about two months, I want to say, maybe a month and a half, two months. Have you followed any T-Wolves? Have we been looking okay? Yeah, I've been I've been watching it on and off, I guess. I've been watching it a lot less frequently than before. Um, just the other night, the Timberwolves actually put up 137 points through go. four quarters. But we let up 141 points okay. in four quarters. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. So we lost to the Pacers, and they had at least two of their starters out. But, no, okay. to answer your question, the Timberwolves have not been looking good at all. Um, yeah. After the Pacers game where we let up 141, they interviewed Cat and Anthony Edwards, and, and they pretty much said in the in the post-game interview, like, yeah, we, we weren't prepared. We took um, advantage of them having their two starters out and – didn't really put forth like a full effort. Like 
how, first of all, how can you do that as a professional athlete? And if your towns, like you're supposed to be the, the foundation of this organization and you're a professional, you're getting paid millions of dollars to just play basketball and you, you can't even come out and just give it all your effort right. for two hours of your week yeah, or two hours of, of a day. So, I mean, that's just frustrating on itself, but we still have the worst record in the NBA, which good. is bad, but it's good for our uh, yeah. draft pick with I mean, Golden I'm, State. Yeah, I'm pro worst like record in the league right now. Why not? Yeah. No, I'm fine with it, too. We're not going anywhere. There's no chance we can make a late-season push, so I hope we keep losing when our players get better. Yeah. Um, but Anthony Edwards has been playing well. He's probably In the last month or last two months, he's probably averaging at least 20 20 or 22 a game. So he's scoring the ball. Not necessarily the most efficient guy in the world, but the game's coming to him more. I feel like I'm just repeating that throughout the season, but he's definitely making leaps and bounds and you can tell he's going to be a really good guy down the road in a couple of years. Yeah. And just recently we got D'Angelo Russell back, which yeah. is nice to see because he's been out for a couple months, but of course, Timberwolves fashion. As soon as he came back, Malik Beasley got hurt, and he's out for like the next month. So yeah, are him it's, it's are, tough. Are D'Lo and Cat finally on the court together? Have they played more than five games? The, yeah, the past two games they've been on the court together. We actually played well against the Kings two games ago. We beat them by like ten, and then this past game against the Pacers. So since D'Lo's return, the Wolves are one and one with him and Sounds on the court. But it'd be it'd be right. nice just to have. D'Lo, Towns, Malik Beasley, and Anthony Edwards on the court together. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we've had that this season. If so, it's been one or two games. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to have that for a month. Just one month of having your core four healthy. And just have them play together, have them mesh a little bit, give the front office some talent to evaluate, some, you know, just some actual gameplay to evaluate. Because there's so many times that D'Lo and Cat, at least through the first year of their relationship being on the same team, but they had five games together in a year of basketball. They had five freaking games together. How can you evaluate that? You can't is the answer. You can't evaluate five games of an 82 game season. Yeah, there was a COVID pause in there and all that stuff, but you can't evaluate when you have your two best players, just not on the court together. And it's one guy gets hurt. The other guy, you know, is playing. Okay. One guy comes back. The other guy gets hurt and it's just back and forth all the time. So if they can't stay on the floor together, you got to get rid of them. I have been totally tuned out of the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're 13 and 39, uh, worst record in the league, like you mentioned, BG, and a couple games below everybody else. I think the next team has 15 wins. Um, but if the Timberwolves can stay in that worst spot, they'll have a pretty good chance to stay in the bottom or the top three picks, as my computer's making all kinds of noises here. But they'll have a good chance to stay in that top three pick. And BG, from how I understand it, it's a, it's a top three pick protected, right? So if we stay in that one, two, or three pick range with the lottery, then we don't have to give our first-round pick to uh, Golden State. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yep. If we, in the lottery, if we get the one, second, or third pick, it, it goes to us. If it's fourth through 30, if it goes to the Warriors, yeah. which would absolutely suck. But yeah, we... I think the Timberwolves do have a lot of talent on this team. It's a lot of young talent, and we don't have a veteran, which is showing in yeah. games like the Pacers where we give up 141 and the effort's not there. But if we say, like, if we get the number one pick because we're the worst team in the league, so we have the highest percentage for that, and we draft Cade Cunningham, for example, 
our roster is a very scary roster of young guys and guys who are getting up there, like we, Towns, D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, and Cade Cunningham. Like that's a pretty good starting five. Just to have the four of those guys, obviously minus Cunningham, it would be nice just to see, like you said, those guys build chemistry and play with each other. Not necessarily just to get more wins because we don't need that right now, but just so we could examine our team and see what's the right direction to go. So I, I hope we I hope we get lucky in the lottery. I kind of feel that you never know, especially because it's Minnesota and it probably won't go to us. But yeah, I, I guess we'll see. We did we did win it last year. Never know. Two in a row. Yep. It'd be uh, unlikely for your Minnesota Timberwolves. It, it would feel unlikely, at least, as a, as a Minnesota sports fan, to have it go your way two times in a row. I mean, that's almost unheard of as a Minnesota sports fan. But if they can stay... Especially when it's supposed to. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But if they can stay in that worst team in the league spot for the rest of the season and, you know, wind up having the best odds... At, at winning the lottery, I can the number one overall draft pick, and it, I assume the consensus pick is still Cade Cunningham for for number one overall pick. That would be pretty electric, BG, and that, that it would it would feel like a young scary team. I know we've been saying that for the last like seven years with the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> but maybe finally this time it would be true, and we could make a playoff run, and we could build something for the future, not just a one and done. Fire your coach, get rid of your star player, restart again draft new guys, fire your head coach, restart again. I mean, this this constant cycle that the Minnesota Timberwolves have been on for a number of years. Yeah, and maybe we'll have to add an asterisk to the uh, scary young team, and that asterisk would be if they can stay healthy. Right. Or I guess if, if they don't get suspended and pull a gun on your neighbors in Plymouth and have a pound of weed in your house. That's also yeah, in the asterisk right, like Malik right. Beasley did. But exactly. Yeah, if like right now, I think we are a, a really good, young, talented team but we're not because we're not healthy and we haven't been playing together. So um, next season, I'm just excited to see the draft for the Timberwolves and regardless, because there's so many good players in the draft and I've been looking up the mock drafts and it's pretty interesting with the college guys coming in the two G leaguers who are going to be in the top five. At least one of them will be. It's going to be interesting. Is our boy a day Markey making any moves? He's number six. He's just out of top five. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, he, he is not. I don't know what has happened to him since because the G League season is over, yep. although the NBA season is still going. Yep. I'm not sure if he's on like a two-way contract with the Wolves now. I'm not sure what happens once the G League is over, if they're like open to go overseas or if yeah. they're like retained on their contract. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either kind of confusing for sure but yeah we'll see what happens obviously we're big fans of a day so that'd be sick if he made it up the team yeah, we'll squad. For him. and even coming off the bench as a as a backup guard i mean he'd be a beast that'd be super fun to watch him um randy bg any other thoughts from the week from from any other sports anything you saw or anything you've been you know just dying to get off your chest um sure. I've, There's other sports in golf been, this week. <laughs> yeah, just barely. For, for me, golf didn't happen this week. Um, <laughs> I guess this is just getting it off my chest because I haven't been on here for a long time and pretty much didn't get to talk about March Madness at all. Yeah, let's hear a little so, March Madness recap from you. I don't mean to brag, but I just have to say that I did get the national championship right, and I did get the national champion right with wow. Baylor. Wow. So, 
So that's when, that's, when good. that's impressive. About March Madness at all. I just I just come back at the end and, and declare. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, you were a on the championship. Yeah. It wasn't a. I mean, it didn't live up to the hype. It was the lineup. Yeah, the matchup was good, but not the actual game. Exactly. Unless you had Baylor. Yeah, I, which I didn't. I mean. We talked about it on the show on, on Tuesday. I, I was big on Gonzaga. I was very high on them. And obviously, it, it kind of flopped uh, the national championship game, at least from a good game perspective. Baylor was just I – don't, I don't think anybody was going to beat Baylor that night. They were so good. Butler was just – I mean, even – like, Butler, every time he shot the ball, it wasn't just hitting the net. It was what <laughs> Dasevich used to call my head basketball coach at Minnetonka, a perfect swish. And we do a drill where if you hit – only net in, in in the the net moves back towards the hoop. You could count that as two points. And if you hit rim or whatever or backboard and it went in, that was a one point. So we 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 do this drill where it's perfect swishes were two points. And I tell you, every single shot that that Butler took on Monday night was a perfect swish. He wasn't hitting rim. He wasn't hitting backboard. <laughs> he wasn't catching even a like a chunk of the rim it was just perfect swishes on every shot and he was so freaking dialed even on the free throws they were just perfect swishes with the hoop with the net going back towards the hoop i mean that is quintessential rotation on the ball that is exactly what you want and he was so freaking good i don't think even if gonzaga played good they could have beat baylor and they didn't play great they they battled they got down nine nothing early 13 to four and they never got it closer than that Mm -hmm. But I, yeah. I I think Baylor could have beat some NBA teams, some bad NBA teams that night, like the, like the Timberwolves. Like the but Timberwolves. yeah, it was, it was like Butler was on a ten foot ladder and just dropping the ball yeah. right from the ladder into the hoop. Yeah, like there was there was some of the times you couldn't tell if he airballed it or not because the net just didn't even move. Yeah. It was that on point. But yeah, Jared Butler, he is one of my favorite college players this season. He's a he's a great scorer, but he gets. He he puts a lot of his energy on on the defensive side of things and plays defense, which you love to see because you don't see that in the in the NBA. Yeah, and in Gophers basketball mostly. No, but, I really but, enjoyed him. I, I really enjoyed watching him play, and I didn't watch. I think that was the first time I actually watched a Baylor game through the tournament from start to finish, just because they had covered every single game up until that point, and they were just blowing people out, and you know. I, for some reason, whatever reason, I just wasn't watching when they were playing or I was watching a different game, but they were so good and they executed so well and credit to their coach. I think it's Scott Drew is his name. They were so good that night and they were better than any team in college basketball. Then that has to go down as one of the greatest college basketball teams of all time because not only did they dismantle Gonzaga, who was an undefeated team at that point, uh, 30-0 and 0 or whatever they were, but... They, they did it, like, easily. I mean, it didn't even look like they were playing that hard. I mean, they obviously were playing hard, but it wasn't it, it wasn't even a close game. It was just, like, little brother versus big brother. Big brother kept little brother one arm length away, holding the top of his head the entire game, and they just never let up. And, that, and that's just a credit to how good Baylor played. Yeah, I, I think I told this to Zach. I can't remember if I said it on the podcast a while ago, but I was watching Baylor play a Big 12 basketball game I think right before the big 12 tournament so a while ago and that was my first time I saw them play this season and they were just so good on the offensive side on the defensive side the energy the depth of their bench players it was it was great to watch and I knew then I was going to pick them to win the national championship because I thought they were really good and just an awesome team to watch like Butler you have Matthew Mayer the mullet man 
coming in yeah. off the bench and just and they have so many big guys I mean, on they, the court. Yeah, they got into foul trouble with with some of their bigs, but they just have so many bigs. They're so deep. They run like yeah, they Vital, go like who yeah, looks like a bathtub. Yeah, thing. and his favorite player. He's, he's not the most athletic player. He's not the greatest player, but no. he's a key player in their system. You can't get around him, and you can't get a rebound over him. And they just have so many good guards. Yeah. So yeah, I think that Baylor team should be up there with that conversation because the way they played the tournament too, they they didn't struggle against anybody, yeah. and they killed Gonzaga. Who, if we won, we probably would have been talking about them being one of the greatest teams of all time. Well, he certainly because they yeah. were undefeated champions. Yeah, if, if they, they won, won, would have been undefeated and only won one game to single digits throughout the entire season. But right. Baylor just absolutely killed them. So long. Yeah, I guess we kind of talked about it a lot, but. That was a that was a good championship um, matchup, I guess, to see Gonzaga and Baylor play against each other against each other because I thought those teams were by far the best two teams out of every college basketball team out there. So it was fitting that they both made the championship, and I guess not too hard to guess in this tournament with so many upsets because they're both number one seeds. But it, it was nice to see Baylor ball out, especially with everybody talking about Gonzaga. It felt like before the game. Yeah. And if you take COVID away or you just eliminate that from the picture somehow, there's a damn good chance that Baylor is 31 and 0. I mean, they they lost their first game coming off a huge COVID break uh to KU and then they lost in the Big 12 champion or the Big 12 tournament, I think it was a semifinal to Oklahoma State and Kate Cunningham. That's their two losses. I mean, if you take those two losses away, you take the COVID break away, they probably beat KU. They probably beat Oklahoma State. They probably run the table. And then maybe people are calling them the best team of all time. Maybe people are calling them, you know, far and away the best team of all time because they blew out the other undefeated team in the national championship. But who, who knows where they'll be placed on the record books of all-time great teams. But, uh, I mean, I think they definitely got to be up there in the top five. And it's crazy that's in the Big 12, too, that they can do that. They can play a whole Big 12 season. Um, a couple games getting scrapped, but they can play a whole Big 12 season and go two losses. Like that's nearly playing at the Big 10 level right? and being able to do that. It, it's crazy. Yeah, it's certainly impressive. Andy, I know your mind is solely focused on golf right now, but any any uh, final thoughts I, for us podcast-wise? I'm watching a replay of the first round right now. There you that's go. literally what I'm doing right now. I love that. Where Jordan do you where do you find that replay? Are you looking at is this a PGA Tour live thing you bought? This is on ESPN, like the mothership. Like the ESPN. Mothership. Okay, they're just replaying it straight up. Yeah, exactly. Because well, I'm gonna go watch. Yeah, why not? I'm gonna go yeah, watch because I didn't see any action. I, I today. will say I, I will say I love ESPN's golf coverage because um I, I they started with the US Open this past year. But they just um, they just show so many shots. Do they? They like, just go bam, 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 shot for shot. It's not like CBS and NBC, like you see just like regular tournaments where it's like showing like three groups, showing them walk down the fairways. Yeah. Like it is They're going, just about it action. Is so, yeah, it's it's about action, and I I absolutely love it, and it's yeah. addicting to watch. And the, Because like what – because like if especially Thursday and Friday, like a lot of people are working while they're watching. Mm-hmm. Like I'm watching the replay now. I'm like, oh, like how did I not? How did I miss this putt or this shot like from earlier? Um, because there's just showing show, showing so many shots. It's yeah. it's incredible. I love it. Yeah, 
And ESPN, they just have Thursday, Friday, then CBS takes over this weekend, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. Um, okay, well, I'll have to watch a little little of the ESPN action and get back to you on what, what I think about their broadcast. Um, but, yeah, that's cool. I, I like seeing many, as many golf shots as possible. Maybe they have – I guess they probably would have the same number of cameras out there on the week on Thursday and Friday as they do on Saturday and Sunday, but maybe CBS just doesn't take advantage of it. I don't know. Yeah, I – who knows? Something it's to watch. No one knows. No one knows. Yeah. I mean, on Sunday, we only see the back nine. They don't even show the front nine on CBS. <laughs> it's it's just a mystery what goes on. You got to fall, you know, golf tracker or whatever. Tiger Woods tracker <laughs> if he was playing. Um, all right. Any final thoughts, Randy? I'll be watching golf all weekend, boys. There you go. There you go. We'll, we'll recap on Monday, uh, rather on Tuesday, talking all things Masters, maybe a little bit of NBA, probably some Twins talk as well. We will see you guys all then. And day after day I'm more confused And I look for the light in the pouring rain You know that's a game I hate to lose I'm feeling the strain Oh, ain't it a shame Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Won't you take me away, yeah Beginning to think that I'm wasting time I don't understand the things I do The world outside looks so unkind I'm counting on you To carry me through Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Won't you take me away, My mind is free, you know melody can move me, and when I'm feeling blue, the guitar's coming through to soothe me, thanks for the joy that you've given me. I want you to know that I believe in your soul Oh yeah A rhythm and rhyme harmony You help me along Oh, making me strong Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Drift away Give me the beat, boys, free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away 
you take me away?